Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Our common ground, alternative activists, empowerment, talk radio, speaking truth to ours and ourselves. Who are you? You don't know. Don't tell me Negro, that's nothing. What were you before the white man named you a Negro? And where were you? And what did you have? What was yours? What language did you speak then? As you honor our forefathers and foremothers, I urge you to honor our living heroes. When you honor the names of Matt Turner, Harriet Tubman, and Malcolm X, I urge you to honor the names of Geronimo Gijaga, Sundiata Akoli, Matulu Shakur, and Mumia Abu-Jamal. America's chickens coming home to roost. Violence begets violence. Hatred begets hatred. And terrorism begets terrorism. Our common ground speaking truth to power and ourselves. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. Thank you for being with us. Stay tuned. Just like the city that stagger on the coastline And a nation that just can't stand much more Like the forest buried beneath the highway Never had a chance to grow Never had a chance to grow And now it's winter Winter in America Yes, and all of the hills Have been killed Sent away And thank you for being with us here tonight at Our Common Ground. I'm Janice Graham, your host. Tonight is the second night of the Our Common Ground vigil for Troy Davis. This morning we woke to very bad news. The Georgia Board of Pardons and Paroles 
this morning at 9.57 a.m., issued a statement which said that it had considered all the information in Troy Anthony Davis's case and carefully considered it before denying the condemned inmate clemency. The board members have not taken their responsibility lightly, they said, and certainly understood the emotions attached to a death penalty case. The five board members have considered the totality, totality, they wrote, of the information presented in this case and thoroughly deliberated on it after which the decision was to deny clemency. Troy Davis, age 42, is scheduled to be put to death by lethal injection tomorrow evening at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at the state prison in Jackson. Today, he declined to make a request for a special last meal. Thank you so much for being with us. For those of you who have joined us on this second night of vigil for Troy Davis, you may come to blogtalkradio.com backslash OCG to join with others who stand to wait, to watch, and to stand. For Troy Davis, supporting justice in this country. You may also um, join us by phone here at Our Common Ground to share your stories, your prayers, your concerns. Our number is 347-838-9852. During the course of this broadcast, which will end at midnight, we're asking you to commit to not only continuing the fight to reach out, appeal, and demand to the Georgia Board of Pardons and Parole, but to also reach out to the judge who entered and signed this death warrant and to reach out and appeal and demand to the district attorney, Larry Chisholm, who requested the death warrant in this case. We want to hear your stories. We want to hear what your response is. Uh, I have been involved in this case for more than five years, and I can tell you that I was absolutely devastated. I do want to thank David uh, for joining us tonight and also working with us this afternoon to get a statement uh, that uh, from uh, Sister Helen Prejean. And what she has done is issued a prayer. And I will be sharing that with you. I also will be sharing. I believe that Sister Helen Prejean has has been the moral barometer about the death penalty uh, in this country. She has warned us over and over what it will rot how it will rot, deteriorate, and eventually remove justice as a real principle of both governing 
and living. It will erode what American citizens can expect. And we'll be sharing with you some of her very very fine wisdom on the issue of um, the death penalty. Um, many of you have not, may not have caught uh, some of the the news reports and some of the um, um, announcements today in regard to this case, and we're going to share those with you. Our number is 347-838-9852. We will take your calls. We would like to hear your stories, your response, uh, what you're thinking. And one of the things that um, we're not going to try to frame what we're going to talk about, we'll simply take your calls. I'm Janice Graham, and you're listening to Our Common Ground. This is our second night of visual, a vigil for Troy Davis. We will be with you tomorrow night as well. We are hoping that something can happen to revive a principle of justice in this matter. It's a legal drama spanning two decades. An off-duty police officer killed. Witnesses recanting their testimony. Last-minute court decisions sparing a convicted man's life. A family convinced of his innocence and a grieving mother who wants closure. But the final chapter could be near, with the execution of Troy Davis scheduled for Wednesday at a Georgia prison. The mother of slain officer Mark McPhail wants justice for her son. I think I finally will have peace of mind. I can only hope for it and, and think it will happen, that I think now it is over, I can close that book. A judge sentenced Davis to death in 1991, but several witnesses, unsure of what they saw, recanted their testimony. Some said another man pulled the trigger. Prosecutors say ballistics evidence and other witnesses linked Davis to the crime. Legal challenges have delayed his execution three times and garnered him international support, from the Pope to former President Jimmy Carter and advocacy groups worldwide. The reason it has attracted the world's attention it's because it is so blatantly clear that there's no reason for that man to be sitting on death row tonight. Annalise McPhail says advocacy groups are meddling. And that's how they stay in alive, by putting their nose in everybody else's business. But I feel stay out of it unless you've been sitting in the court and heard the original trial. But Davis's family is grateful. After their mother died this year and a sister became gravely ill, Kim Davis is helping mobilize support for her brother. The spotlight is not actually on me. The spotlight is actually on the world. And, you know, this picture is bigger than Troy Anthony Davis. It's something that's actually global. And, you know, we've grown, we have grown supporters from all over the world. With his legal options exhausted, Davis and his supporters hope the Georgia Pardons Board will spare his life by granting him clemency. Kate Brumbach, Associated Press, Atlanta. Supporters of death row inmate Troy Davis sang and clapped outside a hearing of the Georgia Board of Pardons and Paroles Monday 
They're hoping the panel will spare Davis's life in the killing of police officer Mark McPhail, who was shot to death in 1989 while he was off duty. What is it about is simply, do you believe that there's any doubt? And if you think there's any doubt, then we shouldn't execute. Davis claims he's innocent in a case that has captured worldwide attention, and several witnesses who helped convict him during his trial have backed off or recanted their testimony. Monday, the board listened to testimony behind closed doors. We believe that we have established substantial doubt in this case, and given the level of doubt that exists in this case, we believe that an execution is simply not appropriate. McPhail's family, however, vehemently disagrees. They say the execution will give them closure. I think I finally will have peace of mind. I can only hope for it and, and think it will help. We do not believe that the peace that the McPhail family seeks and the justice that we all want is served uh, by executing Troy Davis. Prosecutors have always stood by the conviction. They want the board to turn down the clemency bid and allow the execution to move forward. It's scheduled to take place on Wednesday. Ross Simpson, The Associated Press. Many of us who believe that the board's decision is outrageous, we also believe that is not surprising. It reflects the same deep-rooted racism that prevailed throughout Davis's trial and legal appeals throughout the years. Absolutely no physical evidence has been found that implicates him in the killing. No murder weapon has ever been found exposing a very major gap in the prosecution's case. This is the fourth time the state of Georgia has set an execution date for Davis, who was wrongfully convicted of killing a police officer in 1989. Of the nine witnesses, seven have recanted or altered, majorly altered their version of events. Five have signed statements saying they were coerced. On yesterday, during the hearing of the Georgia uh, Board of Pardons and Paroles, three jurors who sat on the jury that condemned Troy Davis to death indicated that if they had known about the Type of investigation, the evidence missing in the investigation, and the facts that they know now and heard in that hearing, they would not have found him guilty. Opposition to Troy Davis's execution has been growing worldwide. On September 16th, protests took place in cities across this country and all over the world, including throughout the state of Georgia, in Washington, D.C., and elsewhere. On September 15th, more than 650,000 signatures in support of Troy Davis from American citizens were delivered to the parole board. Now that parole board has over one and a half million signed petitions in support of staying this execution. Prominent signers include South African Archbishop Desmond Tutu, 
former President Jimmy Carter, more than four dozen members of Congress, and many celebrities. The question before us is the decision to deny clemency to Davis. What does it reaffirm? Does it reaffirm the unbashed racism and bankruptcy of the American justice system? Is it time to stay on the streets to demand justice and stop this execution of of Troy Davis in the racist death penalty? Last night, we discussed with you the many elements that come into play in a criminal trial which are so faulty that it simply renders the death penalty unjust. Our number here at Our Common Ground is 347-838-9852. We'd like to hear your response to this Georgia Board of Pardons and Parole decision today. One of the things that was just so interesting to me was that even though there was a full day of hearing, that the decision was rendered, was made and rendered before 10 o'clock on the second day which the board had indicated they would be deliberating. What does that mean? The other thing I'd like to uh, share with you tonight is that um, Judge Penny Friesman, who is the judge in Georgia, can be reached at 912-652-7252, and her email address is pfriesman, and that's spelled F-R-E-E-S-E-M-A-N-N, Friesman with two N's and two E's. And I'm going to be posting that in the Our Common Ground chat room. This is one of the ways that we can continue to ask for uh, clemency or bring clemency or, or stop this execution for Troy Davis. Judge Penny Friesman is the person who can stop this execution. She can um, she can essentially withdraw the warrant, the death warrant. Now, ordinarily what happens in cases like this, I think it works like this. I'm not sure about Georgia law, but the DA requ- – this is how it happened. The DA requested uh, death warrant once the appeals had been exhausted. The judge issued a death warrant. So it probably works that the DA can request that this judge, Judge Penny Friesman, F-R-E-E-S-E-M-A-N-N, the DA can request her to rescind 
the death warrant. So we need to be calling her at 912-652-7252 or emailing her at P. Friesman, P-F-R-E-E-S-E-M-A-N-N at Chatham County dot org and um, we really would invite you to come to our chat room at blogtalkradio.com backslash OCG that's where we are Um, the other part of what you can do from now until 7 o'clock tomorrow I think that there is a, a 20 minute reprieve uh, is to contact District Attorney Larry Chisholm and ask him to request the withdrawal of the death warrant. They have all of their ducks in a row, and and they um, are all hiding behind something. The other is that we ask you to go to the NAACP.org or the AmnestyUSA.org website or InnocenceProject.org and sign the petition. Petitions are still going to be delivered. So... um, Those are things that you can do. We're going to go to our phones, 501, you're on the air. Tea Party Rouster. Hey, how are you doing tonight? This is Paul from Little Rock, Arkansas. Oh, good to, thing, to hear from you, Paul. Oh, no problem. I love listening to all types of shows on BTR, and uh, you're doing a great job so far. Keep it up. The thing we had to look back at, this is a this is a case that sort of ruled on, on the standing that we have right now, why the Supreme Court sent this back to an appellate course. It's a case called Herrera v. Collins in 1993, where the Supreme Court basically had to rule on an Eighth Amendment ban on cruel and unusual punishment and whether it is grounds for a retrial if, if a person is actually proven innocent or not, okay? So what we had was we had Clarence Thomas, we had Sandra Day O'Connor, we had Rehnquist, we had Justice Scalia, we even had uh, Kennedy that all voted with the majority, a 6-3 majority that said unless specific physical evidence is presented in a trial. Nobody can be retried if they're convicted by a jury of their peers. But what we had was uh, two actual liberal judges that went in there, and two liberal judges, the name is Justice Blackman, and Justice Souter dissented in the opinion, and Blackman wrote, we are really being asked to decide whether the Constitution forbids the execution of a person who has been validly convicted and sentenced, but who nonetheless can prove his innocence with newly discovered evidence. And they ruled against Herrera in this particular case because there was no new evidence, like physical evidence, that, that, that ruled out his conviction of the jury by his peers from the get-go. Now, I don't know everything there is to know about the Troy Davis case. I mean, I've read a lot about it the last three or four days since it's been in the news again, and it's came up in the news again. But we have to say if, if a person is convicted by the jury of his peers and a person is put in front of six different judges now, six different judges that didn't give him a retrial, 
what are we as American citizens, if we're picked for jury duty, to say that if we convict somebody and then seven out of nine witnesses recant their statements or change their story or change their statement, but yet no physical evidence is introduced contradictory to what the jury of his peers has convicted him of, this is just like we had a we had a I forgot the liberals uh, I forgot the guy's name that came out the other day the the attorney and he basically said that uh, the cases state the ca- the state's cases may not be ironclad but most reasonable jurors would again vote to convict Mr. Davis this is Judge Moore liberal with the U.S. District Supreme Court in Southern Georgia and that's what ruling he gave in 2010 right before they filed for the Supreme Court so I mean we have to think as American citizens. In our in our judicial system, in the different branches of our judicial system, and the appeals process that we have to go through, do we have the ability, if we're convicted by the jury of our peers, if no physical evidence is let, later presented, either down the line, 18 years from now, 13, 10 years from now, to be able to go back and and, and overturn a conviction? Now, West well, West if you would, it 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 sounds like you're a supporter of Justice Scalia, and Justice Scalia. Um, issued a statement or made a statement in March of 2011 which says that uh, nothing precludes by the Constitution a person who has had any kind of uh, judicial process hearing, including a trial, uh, precludes um, them being put to death. But let me go back to you. First of all, there was no physical evidence in this case. Second of all, the jury the the jury heard witnesses who had both been coerced and a and a testimony pool of witnesses that had been tainted. Um and the the fact is that in the original trial and in the appeal, this is a defendant who did not have uh, the kind of counsel that would have put him in the position to be found guilty in the first place. He had no counsel for which there had been adequate uh, investigation and an examination of um, the charges. So in March of 2011, the Supreme Court came back and said that he should be given an opportunity to show that um, there is, that he should have an evidentiary hearing. And at the evidentiary hearing, it was determined that the evidence, which was um, um, eyewitness testimony, had not only been tainted, but much of that testimony at the time of the hearing was withdrawn by signed affidavits of six of the witnesses. Six of the nine. Yes, six of the nine. And then some weeks later, a seventh witness came forward. Now, what is proper in the law on what happened with this uh, pardons board is that they could hear um, many issues on the case that would they didn't they did not have to determine his innocence or guilt or guilt on yesterday what they were examining is whether or not there was enough doubt about his guilt 
that existed to stay the execution. I understand. You had one of the seven witnesses that came out of recanted and said that Coles did it. The other six uh, couldn't put a face or a name to it uh, ten years later or however long it was. Right, and you had three jurors who testified in the hearing on yesterday. Had they known some of the, the had they been aware of the circumstances surrounding those testimonies as well as the circumstances surrounding the investigation, they would not have voted to convict him as guilty. Let me ask you this. With our judicial system, we might have to uh, drill this down a little bit. With our judicial system, if we have seven people who recanted testimony where they put their hand on the Bible, they said they would not lie under oath, have any of them been convicted or charged with perjury? Well, you know, I think that uh, that question is probably mixing oranges, uh, uh, apples and oranges because we have, very, we have Jewish people, we have atheists, we have agnostics who put their hands on the Bible in courts in America. So putting your hand on the Bible really means nothing. Okay, but okay, putting that aside. So let's say we have seven people alive. Would there, if we go back to a new trial, would seven of those nine witnesses, even though two still say to this day that Davis did it, they saw him directly and they saw his face, they saw him pull the trigger and shot this cop in the face and shot him in the heart. But if we have those seven people who obviously gave one statement one day and another statement the next day, if those seven jurors, if those seven witnesses are thrown out, and then we have the two people whose story never changed testify in front of a new jury of 12 people, would that not be enough, you don't think? Well, I think insufficient, insufficient, uh, evi- uh, insufficient investigation of a case is another factor that has um, certainly to be uh, explored. Uh, and this pardons board did not explore that. And that is one of the reasons that uh, a stay was a logical move. So there you have it. We either believe that that our justice system ought to work the way we say it works and ensure that it works the way we say it should work, or we're going to have to rethink this whole notion of of the death penalty. That's what it comes down to. You just got to the basis of the whole argument. Yes. What yes. we have is people who support the death penalty and people who don't support the death penalty. We have people who support the death penalty now saying in the case of this man, and, and, even, and, and even in the West Memphis 3, if you read through the actual transcripts of the West Memphis 3, I think they're, I think they're guilty as charged. I'm in Arkansas, trust me. 80% of our Kansans think the West Memphis Three are guilty of charge. They, they hogtied these little kids and, and left them in the ditch for dead, all brutalized and beaten up. But uh-huh. what we have is a, 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 a sect that believes the death penalty is bad and a sect that believes the death penalty is right. If you kill another person, you deserve to die yourself, not rot in jail and take the taxpayer's money and, and smoke cigarettes and talk on a cell phone and get free food and free housing and so on and so forth. So what we have is a man who was convicted by a jury of his peers. Okay, even though you say three of the juries came to Well, you know, you keep saying a jury of his peers. It yes, wasn't it was. really it was a jury, jury of his peers. Of his peers. Why, why not? I mean, one of the things that uh, that we have to do, and I, you're calling from Arkansas, mm-hmm. and 
I, I just want to say this to you. We've got to get real about what we do in our courtrooms. Yeah, Mike Huckabee led a murderer out of prison here in Arkansas, gave clemency to a murderer. He ended up going to Washington, I mean, uh, uh, Seattle, ended up shooting three So you, you believe in the death penalty, and you believe that the state should go for it and execute Troy Davis. Is that where you're going? Yes, execute the man. Okay. We hear you. You have the right to, to, to your opinion. But I think that one of the things, I think that one of the things, I mean, you can continue to believe that every person is, uh, that justice is available to every person, but you can't, um, you can't believe that what you see in front of you in this case is about justice. You know, one of the things that prosecutors and judges have forgotten to consider is what happens to a defendant at the time of trial and who is the counsel. Judges sit there and prosecutors sit there, and I think it's government misconduct when you see uh, lawyers who are lawyering in such an incompetent way that they're not protecting their their client. Okay, so we believe that Troy Davis, didn't have competent lawyers. Was it a was it a public? Well, there's had? no there's no question. If you if you look at if you look at the trial, the first trial um, transcripts, there's no question. So it was incompetent lawyers. And so and so I think that in those cases, the judge ha- the judge has the ob- obligation to stop the damn trial, have a conference, and say to the judge you say to both. Counsel, both the prosecutor and the defendant, uh, defense counsel, to say, hey, this is not going well. These are the problems. You need to go back and attend to them. So now we would have a judge that would come out and tell the defense lawyer or tell a prosecuting attorney, you're they not do doing it your all job. The time. Now, we got to say this. Me, sir, excuse me, sir, gotta... but you're talking to a lawyer. Okay. They so do it all the time. Okay, so let's ask you this. You had to go to school for eight years, correct? You had to pass no, the I went bar to school for more than eight state. years. Now, the bar exam, only 24% of people pass the bar exam in their first three trials. But that's not the question here, so and it's, you know, you know. Um, or what specific statements did he give? Let me school? let me just say this to you, Tea Partier. I, I'm, I'm sorry, I forgot your name already. Tea Party Paul. Rocks or something like that. Paul, Paul Timmer, I, I just, Little Rock, Arkansas. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. T-I-M-A-R. I I just want to say this to you that uh, in the face of a man who may be, and I'm, I'm not even, I have never taken the position that I know whether this man is innocent or guilty. But I do know that on the face of this case, there are too many questions about the conduct of both law enforcement, the courts, and the prosecutors, and the witnesses. That's where the doubt is. Okay, so you're saying there's a reasonable doubt. That's how people aren't convicted. Is if there's a reasonable doubt in the juror's mind, a reasonable doubt that maybe this person did in not do this. In death penalty cases, crime. absolutely. What's what's the difference absolutely. between a death penalty case and a life in prison? Pardon me. 
What's the difference between a death penalty case in your in your mind and a life in prison in your mind? Well, one is you have a live person, and the other is you don't. So if a person takes a life but yet is convicted, you would rather have them sit in jail than rather have them put to death like the life that they When there is doubt, innocent. yes. When, when there, there is, doubt. is doubt. Okay, so you yourself believe that when there is no doubt, that a person took another person's life no. and be put to death. No. Me myself, don't 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 put words in my mouth. Me myself, I don't believe in the death penalty capital punishment period. Now you just told me you said if there is no doubt. I mean if there is doubt, then they shouldn't be put to death. So then the the other aspect They absolutely the should but no but doubt, under to, under the capital punishment system where there is doubt the law says they cannot be executed. Now, you should be able to quote me that specific law. Well, you but, know, I'm not going to go around with you, but and I'm going to go because I think that this is a, a conversation and, and, and a discussion that this nation does have to have about capital punishment. But one of the things that I am saying to everyone that is listening to this broadcast, be careful about how you think about somebody else's dilemma because one day it could be yours and I hope you understand that you could be Troy Davis or your son or your nephew and you will think about it quite differently. Thank you for your call and I hope you'll stay with us and continue uh, discussing this issue in our chat room. Pardon me? Yeah, give me opportunity this is not a courtroom. We don't have closing statements. Thank you for your call. Uh, you're listening to Our Common Ground at Blog Talk Radio. I'm Janice Graham. We're, we're going to uh, take your calls at 347-838-9852 on the second day of um, vigil for Troy Davis. And I think that we really do have to think through the issues of whether or not the state has the right to take another's life. For you tonight, uh, uh, issued by Sister Helen Helen Prejean, who has been the moral barometer on issues having to do with the death penalty. She offers this. God of passion, you let your rain fall on the just and the unjust. Expand and deepen our hearts so that we may love as you love, even those among us who have caused the greatest pain by taking life. For there is in our land a great cry for vengeance as we fill up death row and kill the killers. In the name of justice, in the name of peace, Jesus, our brother, you suffered execution at the hands of the state, but you did not let hatred overcome you. Help us to reach out to victims of violence so that our enduring love may help them heal. Holy Spirit of God, you strengthen us in the struggle for justice. Help us to work tirelessly for the abolition of state-sanctioned death and to renew our society in its very heart 
so that violence will be no more. Amen. And I'm going to ask David, who brought that for us tonight, uh, to post that, um, to post a link to the prayer that Sister Helen Prejean is um, offering to us tonight. Our number is 347-838-9852. As we watch and wait for Troy Davis, we stand in support of him. I'm going to share with you some thoughts about killing, state-sanctioned killing. And um, we want to get your, your, your response as much as we can. The heart of it. How many people saw the reader, the movie? It's about an SS guard who was in a camp. And she was in the women's camp. And every week, out of the prisoners, she selected ten who were sent then to be killed. And now we're having the trial, and the judge is asking her, didn't you know that when you selected those ten people that you were sending them to their deaths? Now, this is the trial in Germany how many years afterwards. Everybody's now looking at what had happened in the concentration camps. And you could see the horror on the face of the judge and all the people in the court when she said, yeah, but we were the guards. Every week they were sending in new prisoners. It was overcrowded. We, we had, this was our job. We were guards. And there was horror on everyone's face. What? You were guards? This is what you did. But when we get caught in a culture that does things, we lose the horror. In the United States, we have, there are some of us that have horror that alive human beings are put into small places of confinement 10, 15, 20 years and taken out and killed. And they may in that process, like Joseph Adele in Virginia, watch 20 people ahead of him be led past his cell to be taken out to be killed. There's no horror because we're so removed from it. And I walked out of that, that film because I've accompanied six human beings who were alive and then who were dead, and I watched the process. And then with murder victims' families, like now, our witnesses, our luminous witnesses here in this room here in New Jersey, 62 families saying, don't kill for us, that's not going to heal anything to let us be witnesses while you kill another human being. And we have to arouse, we have to blow on the coals of our souls, and we have to stand present to the horror of what the death penalty is. It is a torture issue. It is the chief civil rights issue in this country. It is a gateway issue that has in it every wound of this country. Racism is in it. The poor people are in it. Disrespect for life, well, a few innocent people, no system's perfect. You know, even house painters sometimes fall off the scaffold. And when you have that dulling of a sense of moral horror, you know that we have moved in a place in our society 
of a kind of moral degeneracy, and because we're all like goldfish swimming in the bowl, it's par for the course. It's what we do in the United States. The five human beings who are sitting on death row in Maryland, who have been condemned to death and so are now are having a living death, waiting to be killed. And then there's just us. The best definition of justice is just us. But when we have a sense of moral horror and that we got to change this thing, we begin to get very creative about the kind of dialogue we got to do. And I'm horrified at the tricks and, 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 and what happened in the Senate. But see, that's politics. We go, well, that's politics. And that's the way politics works in this country. There, there is no moral horror, generally, in politicians. The conscience of the nation, the conscience of the people who have died, the conscience of the civil rights movement, where you think of how many times Martin Luther King and the group in Montgomery would come up against that white citizens' council when they're doing the bus boycott, defeated again, defeated again, defeated again until finally they won. And what Gandhi said, we do what we do because of the moral integrity of it. Not for success, but there will be success. But the fire has got to be in us. So we got to what do what Jesus said too. You got to be like a dove, but sometimes you got to be like a little snake. And, and I'm, I'm not down on snakes. I think they get a bad rap. <laughs> snakes are ancient symbols of feminine wisdom, which is why I kind of got squelched in the Bible story. But <clears throat> to have our heads on and to be creative. And what are the legal issues, not just legal issues, but ways that we can approach the death penalty in this state? Well, you know what I've heard? We have a de facto moratorium. The state doesn't have a method for killing people. The Medical Ethics Board in North Carolina stopped the death penalty cold because they issued a directive. Any health care physician or person who works in the death penalty will lose their license. And they have stopped it cold in North Carolina because human beings should not be tortured and they should not be killed. And I am convinced we're having trouble with the torture issue in Upper Grade and Gitmo. And the soil was tilled in Texas when George W. Bush would sit on the morning of an execution, 152 of them, with Alberto Gonzalez, his legal counsel. They would look at all the cases. They would look at innocence. They would look at mitigation. They would look at mental retardation, they said. They looked at the cases thoroughly and did a check mark. They met for 15 minutes on the day of an execution and put check mark 152 times and killed human beings. And Alberta Gonzalez goes right up to the AG office and the next thing you know, he's saying the Geneva Conventions don't mean that, well, you can't torture people a little bit. We gotta rewrite those. It's all part of the same soil. And when I say every wound of our society is in the death penalty, it is not a peripheral issue about killing a few terrible people for terrible crimes. It is at the heart of who we are as a society. And we have to take heart 
in the legitimacy and the moral rightness like Martin Luther King used to talk about. The moral rightness of our cause. And we have to read and we have to learn and we have to talk to people and we have to organize. So all I want to say to you is I'm glad I came at this time. Justice is never just handed to us, as Frederick Douglass says. We always have to strive for justice. Just know that the cause is right. You know, when Martin Luther King talked about when the universe bends, it bends toward justice. That's us. And just be glad you're awake and alert to one of the huge issues of our day. That it will not be said of you that when some people will stand in horror when the documentaries come out about the United States and how we took people and killed them. Do you know that in the witnessing chamber in Texas where they killed over 400 human beings, do you know there are three witnessing chambers and one is for the state and one is for the victim's family to get their closure and their healing and to honor their dead loved one. And the other is where the mother stands to watch as her child is killed on that gurney below. Over 400 human beings killed because we're in a culture, because there is no horror, because people say, well, that's just what we got to do. So we got to tell the stories. We got to get people visiting. We've got to stand with murder victims' families and let them stand and be our witnesses because they are the wounded healers who stand before us and say, not in my name. And they are our incredible witnesses of moral courage who stand before us and say, look, I'm whole and alive by taking this stand. This isn't making me sad and dragged out and depressed and suicidal. I'm alive. I'm alive because I'm standing here for my daughter because she was alive and I'm living her life now and showing the connectedness and the communion of all beings that we have with each other. And don't underestimate the taking of some human beings and saying we can cut them out of the web of life is why we're in so much trouble with our planet. When you say, well, you, 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 and you don't deserve to live, so the polar bears are drowning, and so we're killing our planet. So species, every 20 minutes, another species is destroyed on this planet. It's all connected. It's only one web of life. And thank God you're awake. Did you ever think of that? You could be sleeping, but you're awake. We are awake, and it's a blessing to be awake. What is so interesting about where we sit tonight is that Casey Anthony, the young woman uh, in Florida who was accused and tried for the murder of her toddler child, Casey Anthony was found not guilty because of reasonable doubt. And Troy Davis is set to be executed in spite of reasonable doubt. Our number is 347-838-9852. And I do want to respond. I, I, I do try to be respectful of other people's uh, opinions. Um, and I have always tried to do that as a broadcaster because this is talk radio. 
But I am reminded and have been reminded all day of a quote that I used to use quite often and had forgotten about it, and it is by a quote, um, something written by Isaac Asimov. And he wrote, and it is these ignorant people, the most uneducated, the most unimaginative, the most unthinking among us, who would make themselves the guides and leaders of us all, who would force their feeble and childish beliefs on us, who would invade our schools and libraries and homes. I personally resent it bitterly the short and narrow ignorance where people think that they are indeed bright and smart when in fact their reasoning is that of a jackass. I resent it bitterly. And I especially resent it among uh, our people. I I simply uh, oppose the refusal of people to accept the not uh, guilty verdicts of a person like Casey Anthony and O.J. Simpson, the hounding of these people because the verdicts don't satisfy the bloodthirsty mobs, something like the killing of gladiators in the Colosseum in the days of the collapsing of the Roman uh, Empire. When we join in witch hunts of any kind, then we are no better than the insanity we protest. There was a noted black historian that said, justice divided is not just. Either we have a justice system which is fair and equitable, or we are all anarchists, justifying our own cold-bloodedness. Where in the hell is the compassion for those who succeed in acquittals and then are hunted down like dogs until they are destroyed? Those who do this, including the TV judges and the celebrities who somehow have to add the voice to the condemnation of others, are carrying out a contemporary form of lynching just as capital punishment has proven to be. Until and unless we deal with racism and racism plus sexism head on, there will never be any justice in this country. And if this continues, the U.S., like every other empire in history, will collapse from within. Meanwhile... Islands in the Pacific are sinking as the ocean rises because of global warming and whole cultures are being permanently displaced to avoid drowning deaths for all. And people in Mexico City have to buy oxygen to breathe. And we've got jackasses calling talk radio shows blathering about silliness. I said that I wasn't going to rant. Alpha, I sure hope this is you. Come calm me down because I 
have been at it since 6.30 this morning, and I have tired of the ignorance over at Huffington Post, over at Rush Limbaugh, over at wherever the hell I found it today. Well, I'm your huckleberry. Look. <laughs> you my Look, huckleberry. You know, this Tea Party Paul clown. I feel very safe at calling them. I mean, them a those clown. are the kind of people who think that they ought to have that 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 somehow their opinion rings smart and brilliant. Well, what he what he did was he tried. What to, he did was talk around in circles and said nothing. Well, he tried to set up his own scenario about the case, and you know, like he has been following the case from its inception, or he knew all of the intricate details about the case. And this is what they do. They try to frame or reframe. I knew who he was when he called up here and when he, you know, I I just let him do his dumb. Well, his dumb, his dumb was so obvious that at some point you just have to, you know, you're not going, there is no reasoning with these people. These people have their own agenda as a, and he sounded as though he were a black man. But he's not welcome in any of these Tea Party events. And if he tells us he's welcome, (laughs) you let the sun set on his ass at one of these Tea Party events, and the sun will rise with him hanging from a tree. This this is the type (laughs) of fool that we, we, we come across who will simply deny everything because they have been so indoctrinated. And you will find that most of your black Tea Partiers are ex military who have been indoctrinated, you know, via the Army, the Marine Corps, or or what have you. You know, this bit about do as you are told, and you allow them their their ideology to be the pervasive ideology, and you simply are told what to think or how to think or when to think. And when you get people like that, and he didn't for once take into consideration that these witnesses that had come forward, which had come forward under pressure, coercion, threats, because each one of them has told a story of the threats that they received or the fear that they would go go to jail. But, and but he get, wasn't interested in that. He 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 clearly was not interested in that, and I clearly was really not interested in having a conversation with him about it. But I tried to be calm. I tried to be reasonable. I I I tried to allow, you know, because you know sometimes people accuse me of kicking people out of the out of the chat room and telling well, people to shut the fuck up. But well, Janice, you know, there are, there are people who accuse you of kicking people. You kick the ones who deserve it. And these are the types of people who deserve it. You know, you can come in come into a chat room, be civil, but don't come into the chat room with BS. Yeah, you know, you yeah. Can, and you know, and, you and I didn't want to get into a fight because tonight people are raw. Tonight people are, are sensitive. Tonight is a night to really rethink what do we have to get done in the morning and where are we going to be tomorrow night this time. Well, when you get down right down to it, Janice, you have, you have a system in this country that has been proven not to be Legitimate. And when I call it not to be legitimate, I'm simply saying this. If Danziger Bridge 
has taught us nothing about testifying police officers doing uh, misdeeds and crimes, and the list goes on and on. This nation has a history of police officers doing wrong. And if these policemen who, who basically squeeze these false testimony out of these so-called eyewitnesses, how is it that you take all of the witnesses, put them in a van, and take them back to the scene of the crime to recreate it, and, and then allow them to talk amongst themselves? You, this is fruit. Mm-hmm. And he called, this guy called himself a lawyer. And no, no investigation into allegations of another suspect. Right. Yeah, you know, this is this is absolutely the basis of 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 doubt that is so beyond the pale uh, <laughs> that it's laughable that this board decided what they decided last night and delivered the their their finding this morning. The Supreme Court just gave a stay of execution to uh this particular a man in guy. Texas. Yes, from Texas. Mm-hmm. The gun the second the second stay from the Supreme Court. Right, the gun that used to commit the murder was found in their hotel room. I mean, when you get those types of cases and when you find people who are willing to simply go out on the limb and and declare wealth, and instead of discussing a case, they want to reframe it well like Rick Perry did. When you kill our children and you kill Texas citizens, that's not what the question was. The question should have been, how can you sleep at night knowing that you put an innocent man to death? And that yes. was Brian Williams. And then oh. tried to hide it and cover it up. And, and, and dismissed the board. He flat out dismissed the board who was bringing back bad news for him. Well, you know, it's it's almost like most of the people you find on the street, Alpha, and you know this, and that is that... Even a Brian Williams, as much as he gets paid, he doesn't know shit. He doesn't know much about what it is that he's dealing with on these issues. They don't get paid um, to do any much more than to read what's well, in front of them while they're on the air. You think these people are reading about these cases? Do you think it's it's any... Um, accident that this Troy Davis case has been going on since since forever and nobody started reporting on it until a death warrant was signed? Well, I'm of this ilk. I think that this prosecutor this um this prosecutor should be hounded, harassed and vilified. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I've, been, I've been sitting I, I, I posted this picture on um on Sunday I think. I posted the pic on Facebook, I posted the picture of the board, I posted the the Twitter hashtag for the the, the DA's minister. 
because I found that and I couldn't find his home. And if I find their home telephone numbers and addresses, I'm posting that too. Well, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's too far out of the realm of you know if they can do it to abortion doctors, then why not Absolutely. do it to those people who help create these types exactly. of exactly. Hey, Alpha, can I ask you to hold on for a minute? I want to take another call, but I want to come back to you on something. Okay. Okay. Huckleberry. <laughs> Everybody knows you, my man. 301, you're on the air. I respect you. Thank you for joining us on the second night of Vigil for Troy Davis. Well, good evening, um, Janice. This is Lions Den. How are you tonight? Lions Den, thank you so much for joining us, sir. How are you? I'm doing good. Before I um, talk about the Troy Davis thing, let me let me um, tell you about this Tea Party Paul idiot who's from Little Rock, Arkansas. <laughs> First of all, I'm going to tell you straight up, I was born and raised in Little Rock, Arkansas, and I'm personally ashamed as a born Arkansan that he yeah. would disrespect the show or anything like that. Say, he doesn't have the balls to come on and say, I believe he should be executed. Exactly. And I'm ashamed. Balls. I'm terribly ashamed of that. You know, I was born and raised in Little Rock, Arkansas. And on top of that, he's a tea party, a, I'm a black tea partier. How in the world would you disrespect yourself and being embarrassed to come on any show and say that he deserved to be executed and yeah, he's an innocent yeah. man? This is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. But well, anyway, he didn't even have the balls to say that. Exactly. He was he was chewing on his cuticle, his toe cuticles, his big toe. I'm just I'm sorry, um Janice, it's just it's just it's a shame that a person from Little Rock, Arkansas in his nature, cuz I would my family still living there, my my friends still living in Little Rock, Arkansas, and none of us would never act like that. We're too intelligent and we're too and we're too respectful for anybody to come on the show and say stuff that's remotely offensive. But um anyway, let me go ahead and say what I have to say cuz I know you got Alpha on the other line. Um, I did post it, everything about Troy Anthony Davis on my Facebook and in my Twitter pages, um, telling my fellow friends and my tweeters and my followers that go ahead and sign a petition to go ahead and try to stop the execution of Troy Anthony Davis. Uh, with that being said, um, my opinion on this is that, you know, and it's funny that the news media is, I think, to me, in my opinion, it's kind of laughable. It's laughable because they're not taking what's going on with Troy Davis very, very seriously. I mean, the man is going to die tomorrow at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And and, and, and the victim's families are like, well, let him die. He deserved it. You know, it's, it's really sad that we have people like that Blood in lust. this world, you know. Bloodlust. I mean, let's talk about that for a, a few minutes. Right. I've been kind of reluctant to, you know, I agree that this family and this officer who was slain, even mm -hmm. though he was slain while he was off duty, he was off duty. Right. But I I absolutely agree that he deserves justice. 
he deserves for the person who did this to be punished. Exactly. That's what he deserves. But at the same time, we can't have a system that is driven by the bloodthirst fantasies of a daughter who was an infant when he died, Mm -hmm. a wife who has remarried, and a mother who clearly only wants the black man to be dead. That's it. That's it. Okay? I, I just think that we have to get clear about that. Um, it's bloodthirst for them because they made, the, the mother made the statement that she rejects all of the contradiction. She simply wants Troy Davis to be guilty and to be executed. Right. You know, so I'm that's, glad you brought that up. Yes. And, and I think that everybody should be as as vigilant as you have been today. I've I've seen your your Facebook things. I hope People will make the calls. I hope that we will start calling people's names. I provided the names of the members of this board because, you know, there's another question, and maybe I'll bring Alpha in on this question with you, um, right. Alliance Den. Right. And that is the question of who are these black men who grew up in the South and were not able to see through the clouds of confusion as they deliberated on this issue of clemency for Troy Davis. Who the hell are they? The two black men. One is the chair of the board. Yes. Well, wanted posters, names, addresses. You know, if they can target a an abortion doctor if they can print addresses where his children go to school where his wife works the license plate numbers of their cars this district attorney black district attorney and these board members should be treated in kind and not just the black ones on the board all of them the same goes for the scenario, the occupation of Wall Street down there. But, you know, not to get off on that, when you get people who will make these types of decisions, this is Clarence Thomas' world for these uh, two black men. Because they are, <laughs> if they don't know, if, if they're on their way somewhere in the dead of night and they are pulled over, they're just as black as the next man, and will be treated as such. Well, I wanted to impart that bit of wisdom to Tea Party, whoever, whatever that man's that called up here. But, um, you know, as I always say, and you both know that I always say it, there ain't nothing like being baptized in what it means to be black in America. Mm. And every every Negro gets their day. 
Now, those uh, uh, Doc Don knows exactly what I'm talking about. There is a time, whether it's whether it's whether it's um, uh, your uh, son, you know, whether it's your your daughter or your nephew or whoever. Every one of us gets our dose of uh, injustice at some point. You can keep talking. One thing is about, um, and I'm, I'm gonna say this, Janice, that one thing that I've been learning because what I, because I'm living in the D.C. area right now, but when I was born and raised in Little Rock, Arkansas, I my grandmother always taught me that no matter what people say or what people do, don't let that get to you. I mean, don't let let your spirit do the talking. You know. When I was when I used to live in Little Rock, Arkansas, I mean, I I remember when I was a little boy, when I was a baby, that I sit, I remember sit at a, it's kind of funny, but I sit at a a white woman's, like a stranger white woman's, um, you know, you, you sit in a stranger white woman's, and one white woman just pushed me away, it's like you know, get away from me, but you know, the thing is, some blacks in the South is always thinking in their heads. Um, that they're in the slave in the mind, and they're afraid to speak out because of a quote unquote white man will put you in jail, and they still think they still thinking in their heads to this day. And being a being a southerner, and I always gonna love my hometown, Little Rock, Arkansas. But being a southerner, you know, you always have to realize that we as young black, especially if you're a black man, lives in the South. We as young black men has to come together. And that's the problem. We um, They're afraid of speaking out like we do in other major cities like New York, Chicago, Detroit, Boston. They're afraid of speaking out. I mean, in the South, they're afraid of speaking out. Up North, we're not afraid of speaking out. And and that's the thing. They think that um, blacks in the South are just too afraid because what a white man would do to them. That's what they think in their mind. I'm not saying all of them, but I know some of them think like that. But in, in, in but you have to remember that some blacks are not like the Tea Party Paul was on your show earlier. We don't think like that. We also think like like the supporters of activists like yourself, myself, and Alpha. I think that most Southerners are going are coming together and I'm being honest with you some southern some black some southern black men are seeing what's going on are seeing what's going on but they're afraid to talk it out because of what the white man will do or white man will say to them so I mean it's, it's to me it's like the white man is a threat they're a threat not to say anything, which of course when we live in the east coast or in the or living in the west coast or we're not afraid to speak out, but still in some southern towns, they're afraid to speak out. And I think that's possibly the problem that we all need. We've got to let them know that you don't have to be afraid. Just speak what's on your mind. No matter what other people say, just always speak what's on your mind. But some people are still living in that in that society. 
you're 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 i i think those are are, are the elements as most of our listening audience know i grew up in jim crow right i attended segregated segregated schools and i think that we today have forgotten what we had to do to make the to get through the progress that we enjoy today and that we are sitting on our laurels and as Malcolm X said struggle really is not about whether you can go sit and pay someone to 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 be in their restaurant or to use their restroom or to sit sit next to them on the bus that struggle is about breaking down the systemic and institutional barriers to the humanity of every person that walks the earth. Hmm. Now, let me ask you all and get your comments uh, about the absence of the federal justice system in all of this. Well, I mean, essentially the FBI always gets involved when there is um um a coercion of um witnesses in a criminal case. Well, I think the and mere him fact and now Dennis, I think the mere fact that there was this type of poisoning of the witness pool mm-hmm. by allowing them government take, misconduct by allowing them and taking them to the crime scene together and allowing them to mingle and and basically guide them as to what to say in and of itself has tainted that 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 witness pool and you it's it's something about uh uh, the fruits of, of tainted testimony that, I mean, it creates the, that level of doubt. And you put it in the chat room where this guy from Texas is being, his, 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 uh, he's got a stay of his execution. And he's got, there, there's a gun, there's ballistic matchups, there's a, 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 a murder, a previous murder that's been uh, linked to this same weapon. And those are the cases, but he is a white man. Mm-hmm. He is a white man in Texas. And the Supreme Court found it necessary with all of the evidence to, for some reason, stay his execution. It may have been on very sound legal ground. But this mm-hmm. Troy Davis case is so specious when you find that you have uh, witnesses claiming that they were intimidated, coerced, and threatened. If they didn't say what the police want, you've got a man who said he couldn't read and supposedly have written out a confession. So, mm-hmm. you know, it gets to a point where... Written it out, read it, and signed it. Mm. Right. It gets to a point where you're beyond shaking your head and trying to explain it to some ass hat like Tea Party Paul, when he comes in with his reframing of 
how the trial went and what the facts in the trial were when the facts in the trial were anything but what he thinks they are or what he says they are. And as he left the chat room, he said his time here in this room had been spent its purpose. Yeah, it served its purpose, and that's what it did. You know, these... These people, these people on the right, have are paying trolls to go into these websites and make these um, comments just to inflame and incite. Mm-hmm, this, mm-hmm. If you're not patient, if you're not understanding of what they are doing, it can become very frustrating, and you will find people who will just withdraw from the entire process and turn off the mm-hmm. uh, stations and stop going to the websites just because there is so much indifference. And there's them flooding the I've – seen, I've seen comments on, on sites like the Huffington Post, and people are saying, well, they've taken over this site. They only take over the site if you leave. They only yes. take over the yeah. site yeah. if you stop. But, but let me tell you what has happened – uh, in the last 24 hours in regard to the public discourse on on this case. And I really believe it is coming from the pro-death penalty, evangelical, kill some black folks, lynch them, uh, and we can't have these black folks running around uh, committing all these crimes kind of group. Um <clears throat> There has been a story. It's not been in any news article. It certainly is not part of the record for the Troy Davis case file. But people are just floating this story everywhere that in 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 discussion sections of where this story is being reported that Troy Davis had shot another man in the face and the police had matched the casings of the bullet casings to that incident which occurred at a party earlier that night and the bullet casings found at the crime scene of Officer McPhail. Now, none of that is true. Never happened. Never happened because they never found the gun. You can't match bullet casings without a gun. So that's being thrown and bandied around um, in in the uh, uh, across the the internet. Over the last 24 hours, Rush Limbaugh reported that on his show today. Oh, not surprised. Just like Limbaugh reported that on his show today. One thing Limbaugh didn't report on his show, and one thing that is an actual fact, is that this deceased off-duty policeman had cocaine in his system. Everybody seems to believe that somehow there will be tarnishing or tainting his memory if it's brought out that he had cocaine in his system. If you are a black dead victim, they make sure 
that that drum beat is repeated over and over again. This off-duty officer had cocaine in his system. So if it's yep. bad for everyone else, it should be bad for him too. An, an, another another element to all of this is in regard to District Attorney Larry Chisholm, who in June was the subject of an administrative hearing on a complaint brought by one of his staff members for sexual harassment. Not that the fact that it was homosexual sexual harassment is meaningful, but it is just another perspective on looking at who he is and who saved his butt in that hearing that he didn't get fired, so who he owes, and how political is that? Well, those are the types of end stories that you don't get. Mm-hmm. That nope. you, and that's the problem with the media. And that is, that is truly the problem with the media. They stop, they don't report. Journalism is dead in this nation. Fox News and Rupert Murdoch News Corp. have killed journalism, real journalism, in this country. They they have sowed the seeds of doubt, the ability to lie, and the without a responsibility to tell the truth. So I understand why Canada wouldn't allow them into their country. Yes. But they, they hold major influence in the United States, and, of course, they have co-opted and corrupted not just the the politics in England and in the UK, but the Scotland Yard too. Mhm. And of course, you've got the the usual banter of oh, every time something happens, then here comes the black people and the liberals. Yeah, liberals like you, David. You're you're just a liver libid liberal. Uh, <laughs> And and it comes like you're always talking about race. Everything, of course, you're going to say it's racist. So there you go. In the meantime, the law is an impediment to justice for Troy Davis. Um, I, I, I don't think... You know, I, I did not want to share my pessimism with this audience um, uh, last night or on Saturday. But I don't think we're going to get past this one. What do you think? I'll put well, it like this. Go ahead, Lion. No, I was going to say that, first and foremost, I would like to say this because, you know, with, I mean, you have some ignorant people just comes on your, sh- I mean, comes on anybody's show that's trying to be realistically for the Troy Davis thing. We're like I said, we're all here to pray and have prayer and have love and have candlelight vigils for Troy Davis. And you have this ignorant jackass. Excuse my French. You have this ignorant person to come on the show and say that he, I mean, Troy Davis deserved to be executed. 
Now, you, I mean, you, you, I mean, this goes to show that he has no respect for anyone. He had no morals for anything, and he just just disrespect the person, disrespect the cause of why are we, why, why are we here? Um, this is basically a person have a right. As to say, opinion has you know, excuse my language again. Opinion has assholes. Everybody has one, but to sit here and say, you know, he deserved to be executed, knowing that he's an innocent man, knowing there's you no know, evidence, there's no evidence that points to Troy Davis to the crime, um, and six out of seven witnesses, six out of excuse me, six out of eight witnesses recanted their stories. And there's a lot of doubt in this case. But, you know, you have people that's going to disrespect uh, and trying to say, yeah, he deserved to die or he deserved to be executed. And you, basically, and like you said, yeah, we need we have to have justice. But at the same time, I mean, if there's doubt in this case, it, they need to be investigated. You can't just exactly. overlook it and just kill exactly. the man for, exactly. you know, that's just ridiculous. Yep, I'm um, I'm going to move on because I think that at the bottom of all of this is that we've got to decide if capital punishment does not work in this country, how we move forward. And I want to share with you some more wisdom from Sister Helen Prejean. And it really is about what goes on inside when there is preparation to execute a prisoner. Stay with me, you two. Over the years, I've met quite a number of the guards on death row and especially those who are on what's called the strap-down team are the ones who do the actual killing. And there's a big difference where you serve breakfast and the meals to someone on death row in another part of the prison and being the one to go to that cell and prepare that person's body for execution. You put a diaper on them and, you know, you, it's terrible and... But I told the story in Dead Man Walking of Feltus Cootie, who was the supervisor on death row and was also on the strap-down team. And he called me in his office after he had been part of five executions. And he, he said, Sister, please close the door. And I did. And I looked into his eyes, a very troubled man. And he said to me, look, I know what these guys have done is wrong. I mean, the crimes are appalling. I know all of their crimes. But he said, when you're there... When you see it, when you're part of it, I come home after the executions. And he said, I sit up in my easy boy chair. I can't eat. I can't sleep. I'm going to have to quit this job because I know I'm participating in the killing of a human being who's been rendered defenseless. How do you feel when you hear people invoke the Bible or the name of God, vengeance shall be mine, saith the Lord, to justify execution? Oh, Lord, help me on the Bible quoting. I know all about Bible quoting. I've been on all these radio talk shows, Andrew, like in North Carolina. We'll now open the phone star callers. Okay, Chuck, you're on with the good sister here. She doesn't believe Jesus would pull the switch. What do you think, Chuck? Well, I've got my Bible open right here to Genesis. It said those who shed blood will have their blood shed. 
And I usually say something like, Chuck, look two pages earlier in that Bible. It says you should stone people for adultery. You want to do that? Well, we're more civilized than that. But God said those that shed blood. And then that's when you realize you're not having a conversation anymore and, and you open it to the next caller. Do you believe you're doing God's work? When you're resisting a person's execution, when you're upholding the dignity even of people who have done terrible crimes, when you're reaching out to the, the victims' families on the other side, when you try to help people have dignity, when you try to help justice come, even for those, the marginated, the thrown away, the people that nobody pays attention to, that's the closest I feel that I'm doing God's work in the world. Death row inmates, of whom it is said, they are so, such disposable human waste, the only way we can protect ourselves is to kill them, then becomes the face of Osama bin Laden. And while Australia doesn't have the death penalty, you can have mentalities that are similar. And I happened to be in Adelaide during the time of the Bali bombers trial, and he got the death penalty, and your prime minister... Uh, Howard yes. said, well, it's okay for them to do the death penalty. Uh, look how close that is in your leadership. How much would it take for them to flip and say, well, in these cases, we want the death penalty back in this country? You spoke to Brian Deegan, whose son Josh was killed in the Bali bombings and who campaigned against the death penalty for his son's killers. And you said that his soul was as clear as a bell. What does that mean for the families who wanted to see the killers put to death? Do their souls need help? I want to be very humble in the way I say this because truthfully to be thrown into that kind of chaos of having a loved one alive one minute and then you hear the news that they've been killed in this unspeakable killing is a journey of the heart that I've never had to make. The ones who help other victims' families are the ones who've been through it themselves. And so Brian, whose son was killed, he's the hero. He's the one who needs to be sharing his wisdom and holding the hands and accompanying people who are not where he is yet and do not believe that they ever could be at that place. When Susan Sarandon came to you to propose making a film about Dead Man Walking, what was your reaction? She was fantastic. She was the passion behind the film of Dead Man Walking. It took her nine months to convince Tim Robbins to read the book. He was working on other projects. And after nine months, she was walking down the streets of New York with him one night, grabbed him by the arm and, said, and burst into tears and said, Tim, if we're not going to do this film of this book, we have to turn it over to someone who will. So he goes, okay, Susan, I'll read the nun's book. And then every Hollywood studio turned it down. Nobody believed it could be. They, they would call up Tim when they were nixing it. And they were saying, Tim, it's a downer. I mean, the guy did the crime. He's guilty. He's going to be executed at the end. And then, like we got a nun in it, we got no kind of romantic element. Now, if you let us dice it up between the nun and the death row inmate, maybe we'll have something. And Tim was going, no, no, it's a journey about redemption. It's about redemption. And there you go. The history of justice in America is simply pocked with such 
deep institutional injustices that time and again we make a mockery of the word justice. From slavery to the war on drugs, these powerful people have trampled time and again on weak people. Law and justice should not be depend on how much money you have. Law and, uh, and order masquerades as justice. And our prisons are filled to the brim with young men, mostly black and Hispanic, and mostly poor. And we say that this is justice. Y'all still there? I'm still here. At least I'm still here. <laughs> well, I found it. Uh, <laughs> I found it. Um, I, not nothing that I didn't know, but in the um, case where I know these things get to you, Alpha. Well, it, it gets to me when it it depresses me to a point that we are at this point still in 2011. And when you and hear what these, does that what does that say when you hear about the people who work in the prison system? They have to endure this. They well, are reminded day after day. And we experience the same thing. We experience the same thing, but when you hear people who like to pick and piece and parse the part of the Bible that they are willing to believe in and give their life for, and then the part that they want to dismiss to we are a civilized society, just the mere fact that they are running their lives on a book that is that was written by man, and it is simply a creation of stories that seem to have an endless an endless uh, means of interpretation. The Bible itself has been interpreted. There are 30, 40 versions of the Bible. The Bible is what is, is the base by which all preachers lie, and it's the base by which all preachers indoctrinate. You can tell, if you can tell me what God said, when God said it, or you can tell me what the Bible says or what it means, and you can't tell me all 30 versions, there's something wrong with that ideology. Well, you know, I have to, you know, I, I really think that we have to really look at this issue seriously. When you think about... Uh, Claude Jones in Texas in 1989. He was executed Mm -hmm. in 2000. Gary Graham, he was convicted in Texas in 1981 and executed in 2000. Leo Jones, he was convicted in Florida in 1981, executed in 1998. David Spence. Convicted in Texas in 1984 and executed in 1997. Joseph O'Dell, convicted in Virginia in 1986 and executed in 1997. Larry Griffin, convicted in Missouri in 1981, executed in 1995. Ruben Cantu, convicted in 
convicted in Texas in 1985, executed in 1993. Carlos DeLuna, convicted in Texas in 1983, executed in 1989, and every one of those people, according to new DNA technology, Um, efforts to reopen their cases, but they were executed before completion of absolute evidence of their guilt. And if we want to talk about Georgia, the Georgia Board of Pardons and Paroles announced that it would issue a formal pardon for Lena Baker, the only woman executed in the state during the 20th century, 60 years after her execution. The document signed by all five of the current board members noted that the 1995 decision to deny Baker clemency and allow her ex- and allow her execution was a grievous error as this case called out for mercy Baker was an African American was executed for the murder of Ernest Knight a white man who hired her she was tried convicted and sentenced to die in one day by an all-white, all-male jury. She claimed she shot Knight in self-defense after he locked her in his gristmill and threatened her with a metal pipe. The pardon notes that Baker could have been charged with voluntary manslaughter rather than murder. The average sentence for voluntary manslaughter is 15 years in prison. Baker's picture and her last words are currently displayed near the retired electric chair at a museum at Georgia State Prison in Reedsville. But one thing that I would like to say is this, and, you know, to hear the stories that you just explained, Janice, is this, it's like people, again, let me ask you this question. You know, it, when when a, when a, let's just say if one of the white white two white men or three white men killing a black assailant, I mean just flat out kill a, a, a black assailant, um, did one of them get executed the same way? Did one of them get receive the death penalty? I think um, if I'm not mistaken, I think. Two, if on one, I think two white guys kill or one black dude. I think what they did was they received life, did not per- receive the death sentence. Or I might be wrong. Can anybody tell me? If I'm wrong, well, I think you can do the research for yourself. If you go to um, deathpenaltyinfo.org, mm-hmm. you can do research on those kinds of issues. Right. You know, so um and 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 there are a lot of examples by state and there's an execution database 
And I think we really need to, if you are convinced that you support the capital, the capital punishment and you begin to really look at how it, it has been implemented in this country, then you understand that it has nothing to do with injustice, with justice, and that the law is an impediment to injustice, I mean, I mean to justice. I, I tell you, I didn't expect that this morning I would wake and find that this board would not find the margins of options available to it to satisfy both their political objectives as well as to keep this man alive. I hope that we will find it um, tomorrow. I sincerely hope that we will. Well, Janice, um, at this point in time, what what are his options? Is it would it be a, a could he receive clemency from the Department of Justice or could he receive clemency from the president? Could he receive Well, I think that the the Department of the Federal Department of Justice cannot intercede on a state court decision. Uh I think that the depart what the Department of Justice can do is to seek to intervene and influence the two people who can stop this. There are two people. First, let me say that we need to keep the pressure on the Georgia Board of Pardons and Parole because they can reconsider their decision of announced this morning. They can do that. Uh, and I think that there have been enough people uh, who have who are pressuring them to do so, but I also think that the Department of Justice can influence some of that. The other thing that can happen, an option, is that this district attorney can request to, for withdrawal of the death warrant, that can happen. And I also, and and the judge who issued the death warrant can rescind it. Those are the only two things that can happen. Three things. Well, one is the DA and the and the judge. Um, but I think that everyone who's listening to this program tonight has to go to NAACP.org or AmnestyUSA.org and sign a new petition for reconsideration and for the DA to request uh, a withdrawal. And that you can continue to make calls. And if you need the numbers to make calls, you simply can go to facebook.com backslash Our Common Ground with Janice Graham. All of the information, all of the numbers, all of the email addresses, all of the fax numbers are there. And I'm hoping that all of you will do that. 
The other thing that we're asking you to do is to join us tomorrow night uh, at 7, at 10 p.m. Um, and to be on watch and wait tomorrow. We're also asking, I am asking you personally to join me in a fast, uh, which I began at 7 p.m. tonight and will go into 8 o'clock tomorrow night. Um, There are some people who are fasting starting at 7 p.m. tomorrow evening, but I, I, I know what I'm fasting for. I think our spirits have to have to soldier up at this point. We have to be in a place where as we face what could be the execution of Troy Davis, that we are ready on the other side of that event to stop this madness. The other is that People must be called to account if Troy Davis is executed. People who are members of the Georgia Board of Pardons and Paroles, people, the, the, the Chatham County District Attorney, the judge who issued the death warrant, people must be held accountable, and you cannot account without calling a name. You simply cannot do it. Um, So I am hoping that we bolster each other up. This man is someone's brother, and most of you know that his mother died in April. His mother, who was fighting for his freedom and for justice for him, died in her struggle in April of this year. So as a gray-haired witness for justice, I have become his mother. There are many of us out here, gray-haired witnesses, that are making calls to people that we know to influence this Department of Justice to influence and stop this madness. If you know someone in the Department of Justice. I don't care if it's Department of Justice giving out trinkets division. We should be calling. We should be calling Eric Holder, and we should be calling the White House. We should be calling anybody and everybody that we know, and that includes members of the congressional delegation from Georgia, members of the local government in Savannah and Chatham County, we should be calling everyone 
and we should be prepared after 7 p.m. tomorrow evening to be on the other side of the issue, and the other side of the issue is that capital punishment is not justice. Now, David is reporting in uh, our chat room that Troy Davis filed for polygraph. I don't know if that's part of, of how that fits into this process, but I'm going to let you two go, and thank you very much for your calls and for your support. Don't forget you can catch uh, Alpha on the Alpha Show 3 p.m., every Saturday afternoon at TruthWorks Network in Lion's Den on Saturday and Sunday here at Blog Talk Radio. But I'm going to try to get in on this story. Um, This is coming from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Troy Anthony Davis is willing to take a polygraph test before he is scheduled to be executed Wednesday night to show he is not a cop killer, his lawyer said Tuesday evening. Um, Stephen Marsh, the attorney, said Mr. Davis believes he is innocent and he wants to show it. We hope he'll be allowed this opportunity. Davis, who has always maintained his innocence, sits on death row. Uh, Marsh said that Davis' legal team has yet to be cleared by the Department of Corrections to have the test administered on Wednesday. But he said Davis's lawyers will show up at the state prison in Jackson with a polygraph examiner in the morning. Davis also wants some assurance from the parole board that he will take his tests into consideration. He is not going to spend three hours away from his family on what could be the last day of his life if this does not make any difference. We're obviously very disappointed with the board's decision. Marsh added, We also know there is the question of reliability of polygraph tests, especially under these circumstances. They're not always helpful in proving someone's guilt, but they may have some value in showing whether someone is innocent. We hope that the Department of Corrections will allow it and that the parole board will take it into consideration. And that is breaking news from 11.40 p.m. tonight. And we thank you once again for being here with us at Our Common Ground. Um, We have to be solemn, but we also have to be strong in the notion that justice for one is justice for all. And I am hoping that uh, we can... Um, maintain our 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 vigil up until this ends, and we don't know when this is going to end. But we hope that uh, all of you will stay vigil and stay focused about. Uh, this and we will be here right back here uh, tomorrow night at 10 p.m. hoping that everything went, goes in favor of of justice. Hoping that somehow 
we um, justice will prevail. And if it does not, we have to be prepared uh, for. <coughs> excuse me. We have to be prepared uh, for the fight for two thousand before we enter the two thousand and twelve uh, election. That the death penalty has been put on the on the agenda. Thank you so much for for joining us, and um, we hope that um, we are just hopeful. We just will stay hopeful here at our common ground. And we pray for justice. And we thank uh, all of you for your calls, Alpha and Lion's Den. And we thank um, David for delivering a prayer offered by Sister Helen Prejean. And we thank her for her wise words in guiding us on this issue. Family. Ancestors no leave me Now you're bingy Bobo Shanti Anthony Smith. I thank hope for my heart. I am Troy Davis. Jolivette Williams, the woman's song, community, experience, radio broadcast. And I am Troy Davis. And you will be too if you remain silent. This is JC from Compton, California. And I am Troy Davis. Peace. Paul Hayes, Decatur, Georgia. I am Troy Davis. Been fighting for him for years. This is Tondi, and I am Troy Davis. My name is Amante Kimsa, and I am Troy's brother, Powell. This is Mia, and I am Troy Davis. All right, my name is Mike Zell. I live in Atlanta, Georgia, and I am Troy Davis. I'm Xavier, and I'm from Atlanta, and I'm Troy Davis. My name is Yehuda Torre, and I am Troy Davis. Uh, my name is Justice Torre, and... I'm Troy Davis. This is Alita Torre. And I am Troy Davis. I'm Deborah Grant. I'm in Houston, Texas, and I am Troy Davis. This is Ife Kwali Shakur from Charlotte, North Carolina, and I am Troy Davis. This is Anunnaki Netaret calling from England, UK. I am Troy Davis. Set me I am innocent. This is INAB, Atlanta by way of Detroit, and I am Troy Davis. This is Michael Paul, and I am Troy Davis. This is Timothy Killers, and I am Troy Davis. Yeah, this is Mr. Ochoa, 
If y'all ain't sure that that man did that shit, y'all shouldn't convict that shit. You know what I'm saying? I'm calling to have a choice, baby. If he did it, you know beyond the shadow of doubt he did it, then you do it. But if you don't, in the circumstances, you got to acquit it. You got to forget it. Let the man live if y'all ain't got enough proof. I'm La Amon, and I am Troy Davis. My name's Adrian. I'm from New Orleans, and I am Troy Davis. Thank you. This is Julia McKinnon, and I am Troy Davis. My name is Erica Boyd. I'm from Atlanta, and I am Troy Davis. You could be Troy Davis, too. This is Tawana, and I am Troy Davis. Hi, my name is Naeem Waters, and I am Troy Davis. My name is Jose Sanchez from Atlanta, and I am Troy Davis. I am Troy Davis. Del McLean, Cop Watch of East Atlanta. I am Troy Davis. My name is Marlon. I'm in East Atlanta. I am Troy Davis. Free all political prisoners. My name is Vincent Castellenti, Atlanta, Georgia. I am Troy Davis. My name is Carter Thomas, Atlanta Industrial Workers of the World. I am Troy Davis. I'm William Garnett of Alpharetta, Georgia. I am Troy Davis. Pardon him. Quasi, Ronald Harris, Chicago, Illinois. Speak out. Take action. Fight back. Guru Salsa, freedom now for Troy Davis. At this point in time, we must recognize no physical evidence. Release him. No murder weapon. Release him. A claim to innocence never heard. Release him. Seven of the nine eyewitnesses recanted. Release him. Stop the execution of Troy Davis. In the spirit of our ancestors, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. Ooh, salsa, freedom now, not this love you, Troy Davis. I am Troy Davis. And this our warrior spirit inside It comes from break every shackle and chain Manasaka Zulu Bidne and Kuma Bidne Kunta Kinte Bidne Just like Malcolm and Martin and Marcus and Fiery Kuma Bidne Bella Kute Bidne Kunta Kinte Bidne Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.